Join Dennis Seagrave for Den at Ten. Hello. The first thing I'll do today is uh, apologise if there's any strange noises coming over the microphone. I don't have the luxury of a soundproof studio. I have to record where I can around the house or if Elaine's here and it's busy I'm out in the garage doing it. Well, since the finish of lockdown, the plastic football pitch and the such like has opened up again this week. And we've got the luxury of people playing on the pitches. So if you can hear any shouts or yells, or I hope there's no bad language coming over, I apologise for it, but there's not much I can do about it. It's boys being boys on a Sunday afternoon, I'm afraid. Anyway, to get on with what I'm going to be talking about. I was watching a programme this week on the television and they were talking about television themes, programmes to different themes on the television from years ago. And I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that. As you can tell from these broadcasts, I'm a bit of a, bit of a fan of nostalgia and looking back over things. And as I was watching it, there was several things came into mind and several things were I was reminded of. But two of the programmes they featured were old Patrick McGowan programmes series. One was Danger Man and one was The Prisoner. And that brought to mind a problem I had many years ago on Radio Derby. I'll come to that later, but... It started me thinking, it's 42 years this week, this month since I first started quizzing. In a quiz team, that is. And that, was, that came about by accident, really. There was a lad that I knew who worked on the, the dustbin lorries and he came into the offices one day and says, uh, they've started a thing at the sports centre where they want teams from different firms to play in an inter-firm quiz on a Sunday night at the Leisure Centre leading up to Christmas and the final was the last weekend before Christmas and uh, he asked around the building and he, he got volunteers and he hadn't been in our office And he'd got the team and away he went, but somebody as I worked with was part of the team. And we were talking and it got to the Friday night before the quiz was due to take place on the Sunday. And uh, as we were leaving work on the Friday, this guy from our office block that was in the team said, I'm not going to be going on Sunday, I don't, think I, I don't feel like playing after all, I, I don't like the idea of it. And there was a bit of a chat and I says, oh, don't worry, I'll turn up, I'll go, I'm not bothered. Don't bother me making a fool of myself in public, I've made a fool of myself everywhere else. Anyway, we turned up and we didn't disgrace ourselves, we, we didn't win on the night, I mean, we were fresh to each other and everything, but we stuck at it and uh, we met up again from time to time. We played again the next year, 
and we won it and we won it for the next seven years running and then imaginary teams came in that weren't actually from a works or a firm they just got several people together as they thought were good at quizzing just intent to beat us but that's where it started from and after we'd had a couple of years and we, we were comfortable with each other, we decided we'd join the quiz league and so it went on from there. And we got a good side together, playing on the Derbyshire Pubs Quiz League. We won the league about seven times, I think, over the years we were in it. We won the cup four or five times. In fact, we won the charity cup, the charity quiz that's held one night every year. We won that, I think, four years running, so they made us set the questions after that. They wouldn't let us play in it. But it, it made me think about my quizzing career. The first time we had anything to do with the television, the, the lads formed a team from a couple of the teams got together and formed what became known as the Garbologists on what was Master Team in those days with Angela Rippon as the question asker. I wasn't in the team then, but two or three of us went down and went to each recording and supported them. Always on the unspoken promise that if anything happened to any of them, I'd be the one to fill in. A bit later on, they, they went in for one. It was actually recorded for Granada. It wasn't shown round here, but we went to that one. We recorded three programmes up there. Yet again, I wasn't supposed to be in the team and then somebody dropped out the uh, the week before we were due to go for the recordings and I had to fill in and go there. But we, we, we did okay, we, we didn't disgrace ourselves. Then later on, somebody came to us and says, do you fancy another quiz? And we went and we went down to... Uh, we went to Pebble Mill, actually, the old Pebble Mill buildings and... Uh, had interviews for it we got through and we played in that I was supposed to be in that team that year so yes I've had a varied career as I say we've started a quiz league on the Thursday night we played on the Wednesday night people were disgruntled but there again we dropped out of playing on the Wednesday night and in the end we played on the Thursday night and other people ran it and we played in it. And I'd not played in the Wednesday night for a few years. And then somebody came to the Thursday night quiz and said, we're short of a player next Wednesday night, do you mind just filling in for next Wednesday? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was 11 years ago and I've been playing every Wednesday night ever since. But that's how it goes, I enjoy it. I suppose without blowing my own trumpet, I'm pretty good at it. So yeah. But what kicked off this reminiscing about quizzes, as I say, was this programme the other night. And I thought, yes, that reminds me, it was a quiz for Radio Derby. I think they called it the in quiz word. Different pubs got a team together and played against each other. And on this one round, it was a, a buzzer round, press the button when you know the answer. And they played a theme tune. And they played the theme 
to the Patrick McGoon series, The Prisoner. Now I recognised it straight away, buzzed in, said The Prisoner. No, sorry. What? It's the theme to danger, ma'am. Well, there was a bit of an argument, as sometimes happens with these things, when you know you're right and other things are wrong. Anyway, we argued it through and there was nothing I could do about it. That was what was on the paper. That was what they had to accept. It was the theme to Danger Man, not the prisoner. And I do damn well, it was the prisoner. Anyway, they did me over because they broadcast the programme some weeks later. And I thought, I'll have a listen to this and see what happens, see what it sounds like. And it got to that round where they were playing these different musics and lo and behold they played the theme tune for Danger Man and I buzzed in and said it's the prisoner and they said oh no no, that's Danger Man theme and I thought you beggars they didn't admit they were wrong they made out that I was wrong all along and I knew damn well I wasn't but can't argue that's how it goes that's how it goes you get a lot of that. People think they know what they're talking about and they don't. They don't bother looking up or doing the research when they set the questions in these cases. We can't argue. I mean, the quiz setters now on a Thursday night do it for nothing and the ones on a Wednesday night don't get that much for doing it, I don't think. But you go along with what they are. You can't... Well, we do argue, but you know there's no point in doing so. I know some time ago somebody said... Uh, the question was, on what river does the Inverness stand? Well, knowing a little bit about the derivation of some of these town names, I know that Inverness means mouth of the River Ness. And I've actually been there and walked along the banks of the river. So I immediately says, it's on the River Ness. No, it isn't. They said, that's wrong. Um, sat there thinking, I know I'm right. And then they gave the question setter's answer. It's on the River Moray. Now I have been up there and toured up there. And there's a lady on our team, is Scottish and comes from that sort of area. And she says, no, you're right, it is the River Ness. And we both agreed that he was looking on the map and saw the Moray Firth. Now, a Firth isn't necessarily the mouth of a river in Scotland. It's an inlet of the sea that comes into the land. There isn't a river Moray. Similarly with when they talk about Hull and they say, oh, it stands on the Humber. No, it doesn't. The full name of Hull is Kingston-upon-Hull, which rather gives it away. Hull stands on the River Hull. The Humber is the estuary that the River Hull runs into. But that's enough of my moans and groans. We we obviously enjoy what we're doing, or else we won't keep keep turning up every week. It's funny how things happen, though, where coincidences occur. I was reminiscing about all this earlier on today when the phone rang 
and uh, it was my cousin. We only talk about two, three times a year, but she's like the big sister I never had. She's only about four or five years older than me, but if we once get on the phone together, it's, well, you can say goodbye to at least an hour. We can talk for Britain when we get together. If you've been listening, you've probably heard me talk about or reminisce about being at the farm. And that was where she used to live until they moved the family out and pulled it down to extend the power station. That's where, that's where she lived. And then moved into Walton-on-Trent, where she still lives. But we were talking about things that had happened and family connections members of the family that had moved away that we don't see very often now. Even my own brother, if I see him from one year's end to the next, it's a miracle. But we were chatting away, we were talking about the farm and things that happen. Well, we got to talking about the farm buildings and what things were like there. And yes, being a, brought up on a farm, she wasn't exactly a, a delicate sort of girl. She grew into a very pleasant young lady eventually, but in those days she, uh, she rough and tumbled around the farm like the rest of us. I can always remember we used to play a form of hide and seek. And of course there were plenty of buildings around the farm where even if the weather was bad we could go and play in there. And there's one that we used to call the Long Shed. Went the full length of one side of the farmyard and it was a fairly big farmyard. But inside there was like a long corridor and then different stalls going off off it. And if she went in there, I'd think, yeah, I'll find her. There's not that many places to hide, really. Well, I was in there for what seemed hours to me as a young kid. I couldn't find her. Went in every stall, every nook, cranny, everywhere. I couldn't find her. And then she made a mistake. She slipped. And what I realised was that as I left one stall to go into the next one, she climbed over the wall between the two stalls and dropped into the one I'd just left. Because there were stalls and the dividing walls didn't go up to the roof. But one thing she'll always remind me of, and I don't read reminding, I've probably still got the scars to prove it, was the day she introduced me to the wasp nest in the little side yard as you came out of the long shed. There were some straw bales, only about half a dozen, loosely tumbled into a pile in the middle. And apparently some wasps had built a big nest in the middle of it. Yes, yeah, all right, no problem. Until she decided to point out what these wasps were like. Now I didn't know at the time what it was like. 
but she ran past and ran over the first two bales and kept running. And being the sort of lad I was, because we always did things together, I followed her. What I didn't realise was that her dainty footsteps going over the bales had disturbed and annoyed the wasps. And by the time I got there, they were really angry and really out for revenge. Well, by the time they'd finished, I got myself to the farmhouse door and they didn't take me in. Not to start with, they battered me down first to get these damn wasps off me. Then they took me inside. Well, they flew out from under me shirt, they flew out of me wellingtons, they were everywhere. I was stung on practically every part of my body. Now, my granny was an old-fashioned sort, and her cure for anything from dandruff to a broken leg there was some stuff in a bottle that was called witch hazel an extract of some plant called witch hazel now I don't know what it was supposed to do or what it did but this was liberally applied all over me to help with these wasp stings well they hurt like beggary so I don't know whether this stuff did any good or not but I know for a fact that for the whole of the following week I smelt of witch hazel. It had a scent all of its own and I got it. It still gets brought up occasionally that uh, she asks if I remember it or tells somebody that doesn't know us as that's what happened to me, how she was a kind and loving cousin and looked after me when I was at the farm. I suppose that's the same as the day she took me down into the rickyard and we were playing about on the bales of hay under the Dutch barn. She'd made a way of getting up and down and then across the top. And of course she, being four or five years older than me, has got a slightly bigger leap and a bigger stride. I didn't quite make the distance between the gap. Landed in a heap at the bottom of the rick. I had problems walking for about five days after that. Fortunately, I was staying at the farm, so I hadn't got to try and get home or anything. I was at the farm over the summer, which I did from time to time. So I didn't have to try and get home or walk any distance or do anything. I just staggered down to the farmhouse and settled myself down. Then staggered about where and when I could. Yeah, apart from these sort of things, they were happy days, really. Really were. I was reading a thing the other day where another of her younger friends was describing things and had it published in the local paper. Some photographs of the farmhouse and stories about my cousin and my uncles and my granny and granddad has lived there. Giving them all by their names, even the names of the dogs that were there and things like that and reading this article I thought yeah it did really happen because there are times it was that long ago you think was that real 
Was it really that good? Was it really that thing? And yes, it was real. It did happen. But she had the same thing. She said she used to go down there and meet all the different people who's lived there and worked there. And the good times that she had. But she said the same thing about my cousin. She said they go down and, for instance, there were some gravel pits down on the one side of the farm drive. They were opened up during the late 50s. They discovered this gravel was there and they commercially extracted it and were making money out of it. Now, being so close to the River Trent, which ran just at the bottom of the fields behind the farmhouse, these gravel pits filled up with water. So my cousin and her friend decided they'd make rafts and go out on these ponds that had formed. So they gathered the stuff together and tie them together and make these rafts. But she described my cousin exactly the same as I would. Once they got it all done and put it on the water, it was always her friend's job to test it and do the trial run. Never my cousin. She never got on it first. So I wasn't the only one that got suckered in by her. But I love her just the same. We still get on. Still talk. Still think about each other. And that's what family should be like. Particularly nowadays, it's so much easier to get hold of each other and talk to each other. Not like the old days when they were still at the farm and every couple of weeks or so we'd get a letter and my mum would send a letter back saying what had happened and the things that were happening. Now in a few seconds we can send a photo or telephone or email or whatever. The trouble is that there are times when, although it's so easy to get in touch with each other, we still don't for six months or so. Which is sad really, but it's what we used to. I suppose with me, my son and daughter, I, I do get in touch with them by text or email or telephone if I want to. Anyway, I suppose I've bored you for long enough this week. I've rambled on about nothing important, really, just things that come through my mind. I'll have another think and see what I can do for next week. Although it's hard to get your spirits up when we've still got the virus lingering over us. And come to that, we've still got Trump lingering over us. Still thinks he's too superior to get voted out. But I'll not go into that. I'll not get political. This virus is more serious than I thought. I thought when it first started in January, February time, I thought, oh, it's, it's not going to be serious, this. It's like we had swine flu some time ago or... 
bird flu that they were panicking about and it came to nothing and I thought this will come to nothing like the rest of it but uh, I admit I was wrong, I was sadly wrong it's, uh, it's been very very serious but we'll do our best the trouble is every time they take the restrictions off everybody goes berserk and all ends up at the same place I was reading the other day there queuing for about two hours to get into branches of Primark and then waiting for an hour to get to the tills to get out. If I have to wait more than five minutes in the shop I get fed up. I wouldn't want to do it, I wouldn't want to. Looking at the photos of some of the high streets I wouldn't want to go into the towns at the moment. Far too busy, far too many people in small areas. Even on a good day when there isn't a virus about it's not my style. Anyway, let's look on the bright side. Let's hope we can get rid of it and get back to as normal life as possible. We've just had the th things come through to give us the new timetable for the Jacobite Express up in Scotland for next year. People will still insist on calling it the Harry Potter train over the viaduct, but uh, its proper title is the Jacobite steam train. We booked it for this year, but it was all cancelled, so we never got. So they've sent us the info, and we're just crossing our fingers and rebooking it and see if we can get next year. Several things like that are cropping up at the moment. We'd booked to see Michael Bublé at Derbyshire County Cricket Ground and that was cancelled but that's being reorganised for next July fingers crossed that's all we can do let's hope it comes to comes to that in the new year we get everything sorted everything running well in fact as I'm chatting here I'm thinking it's gone quiet they've obviously finished footballing See how long it is before another team comes and takes over. It's fairly constant now. Once they get out there, they're out there. And then there's like one, two, three, four small pitches. And they're frequently used. If one's not in use, the other is. In fact, the other night, they forgot to switch the floodlights off. It was like daylight outside all, all through the night. Anyway... I'm moaning now, so I don't intend to do that. Take care of yourselves, and uh, I'll chat to you next week. Ta-da for now.